0: Welcome to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. Teen Financial Freedom is a personal finance blog run by teens who are on a mission to equip their peers with the knowledge, resources, and understanding they need to become financially free for the rest of their lives. What's up, guys? Terry and Donnie here. And today we're going to be talking about investing. So investing is obviously a huge part of uh, personal finance and a huge part of our topic at Team Financial Freedom. But what really excites me about today is that Donnie is just now beginning her investing journey at a very young age and tackling, honestly, one one of the few things the vast majority of adults I talk to absolutely regret. About not doing earlier, which is getting started in the markets, get getting started, like compounding their money, investing, um, and all of that. There usually seems to be two big regrets um, in the finance world, and it's either not understanding how debt works and taking so much of it, it like is drowning someone, and they're like suffocating under mountains of debt, or being so risk averse or putting off investing that they don't even look at it until like 35 years old, and then they realize the power of it and then they're just disappointed. They lost like 20 years of compounding. So today's really exciting because Donnie is just now starting her investing journey journey and uh, couldn't come at a better time. And she's probably in a spot, a lot of you guys are. So hopefully this helps here in a conversation between the both of us and kind of how we're gonna work through some of her questions. Um, I am by no means an expert and none of this is necessarily advice. Um, It's just my, my personal experiences And what I've learned from books and honestly, other mentors is kind of what I will be sharing with Donnie over, it's what I've learned over the past, I don't know, five years or however long I've been investing. I'm 18 now. Um, We'll get into Donnie's stuff in a second or Donnie's details. I'm 18 now, started when I was like 12 or 13 in the investing world. So somewhere, yeah, around the five-year mark, um, which still got a long ways to go. But with that, Donnie, if you want to introduce yourself.
1: I'm 15 and I haven't ever invested before, but I want to start investing. So I'm super excited about that. Yeah. But, um, You know, I kind of got into investing, like not investing, but like interested in investing when I joined Teen Financial Freedom. Uh, like before I joined, I had like no intention of like investing in mm-hmm. stocks or anything. But um, after I was like surrounded by so many people who like talked about investing and said how, how much it helped them and how much money they gained. I sort of got interested in it and I was like curious to learn more, but I never like actually researched. But last weekend, I was just bored. And I was like, I want to do something. So um, there's an app called Bloom mm-hmm. and it's investing for teenagers. Yep. And so because we were part of T- TFF, we had like early access to it or whatever. And so I just signed up and I got the app on, on like the beta testing thing mm-hmm. and I downloaded it and... That's how it started. And so now that I have the app, I honestly have no idea how to start or like which stocks to invest in. Yeah. So that's why I'm going to have Terry um, answer my questions.
0: <laughs> cool. Speaking of Bloom, actually, I was looking at it as well. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't sign up for it. Um, I was talking to the the founder a little. Fortunately, I couldn't sign up for it because I'm too old now that I'm uh, not a miner anymore. I guess that makes me a boomer. And so I can't use uh use Bloom. But uh, from what I know of it it sounds like a really cool app. So how was that like sign up process? How easy was it? Was there any difficulties with like your parents objecting to you starting with this um, app they've never heard of or any of that?
1: No, it was it was very easy. I just told my dad I'm going to get it. He was like go ahead. Yeah, you know, do whatever you want cool. and I'll help you. But um yeah, so we had early access so like I got an email. And it was like mm-hmm. uh, download Bloom now with this uh, testing thing. Um, with a link so I entered my phone number in the in the website and so on my phone I got a message to the link to download it mm. because it's like not a public app yet it was like I had to download another app called um, it's called Test Flight on oh, the app store yeah. yeah and so then I got Bloom after that and so it's,
0: it's like, kind of like in beta phase yeah so but I think hopefully it'll be listing like listed publicly on the app store I don't know when uh but yeah. i would imagine it's pretty soon um it's also at the moment for any of you uh you guys listening i believe it is iphone only because uh, i also had android and when i was talking to the founder i was asking him about that and he said android will be coming as well um but it's not out yet so if you're interested i think bloom is it bloom.co just look at the bloom website Investing. The yeah.
1: Bloom, so.
0: oh yeah yeah, jo- join bloom. Um, yeah. Co joinbloom.co if you guys are interested and want to check that out so it's it's a lot like an app i i started with earlier too called stockpile um but i think their ui is a little better and they've got some more educational features uh in bloom so anywho with that um let's jump into some of your investing questions
1: yeah all right so my first question is how do i know which stock to invest in and like what do i look for before like, picking a stock
0: yeah so this is one of the more common questions I've heard, and it's also one of the tr- trickiest by far because it's essentially asking, what do the best investors do? What are the best investors looking for um, when they're picking an investment? And <laughs> there's, it's it's like such a, a vast and broad um, topic, but it's not impossible. Um, I'll share a little bit of my personal experience. So I think the the type of stocks you pick first starts with your expectations, because I know some investors who are expecting kind of a Wall Street Bets type of activity. I don't know if any of you have heard of Wall Street Bets. It's essentially a Reddit group um, who is extremely speculative and makes basically turn turn their investing into gambling. And sometimes make a bunch of money, but more often than not lose unfathomable amounts of money. We're talking like six and seven figures regularly and they don't care. Um, So I know some people who have started with investing and they're very, very high risk tolerance. They're just jumping in and out of stocks. They'll pull up the Robinhood app, look at the top stock of the day, that's trending, jump into it and hope they make some money. And so it's, it's those type of people that it's honestly hardest to share the stock investment research tips with, because they're it's, it's like too slow for them. On the opposite hand, we have some uh, beginners who really want to get started in the markets, but they find the whole thing too overwhelming. Um, And they don't necessarily want to become an investor, like an investing broker themselves, like they just want to have some solid stocks they pick and that just don't lose all their money. Um, That's kind of a long way of getting around to your answer, but I'm I'm wrapping it up here. Essentially, there's a few things that have to be clarified for one's mindset before you jump into individual stocks. Because the reason I'm so hesitant to jump right into an answer is because individual stocks are by far some of the toughest to nail proper investment on. Same goes for crypto. Something like an index fund is a lot easier to start with simply because it's, you're investing in, well, if you pick the S&P 500, for example, there's multiple index funds, but one of the most popular ones is called the S&P 500, which stands for like Standard and Poor's 500, something or other. Um, But the S&P is essentially a collection of the United States' top 500 biggest companies. Um, So you've got Google, Facebook, Amazon, GM, uh, General Electric, General Electric, uh, probably Tesla, um, Walmart, all these other giant, big companies we're all familiar with, Apple, and you're essentially putting up, you're splitting, say if you put 50 bucks into the S&P 500, you're putting, you're splitting 50 bucks across 500 companies. If one of them fails, you don't care because you still got 499 chucking right along. Mm -hmm. Um, So the S&P 500 is a really simple way to get started, and I'll get into what I think about it later, where someone could fit that into the portfolio, Um, but it also sort of limits you on your return. So the S&P 500 isn't necessarily going to make you 100% in a year, which 100% will double your money. So it isn't necessarily going to double your money in a year, like some individual stocks can. So it's kind of the drawback is the the individual stocks that you pick have the potential to perform higher than a very diversified investment like the S&P 500. S&P 500, but a few of the things to clarify for oneself before you pick individual stocks, one is that dips are likely going to happen. Well, not likely, they're like guaranteed to happen. At some point or another, you're gonna put some money into the market and it's gonna go down and you're gonna see red. And you've gotta get emotionally okay with that. If you have like ridiculously low risk tolerance, um, like where you can't stand losing $10, Um, then I have some tips for that later, but you just need to be aware of that. Um, and this, this is the toughest part because it's a caveat. It's a, it's, it's almost like a paradox. One of the number one rules of investing that'll serve anyone the best is to never lose money. So your number one goal when you should be starting is to never lose money. But also when you see your investment going down into the red, uh, when it's quote unquote, losing money, um, if it's still a good project and you still believe it in, in the fundamentals of that investment haven't changed, you've got to be as emotionally strong as you can. Take emotions out of the equation, scratch, scratch being emotionally strong, just take emotions out of the equation altogether. And you've got to look at that investment as rationally as possible and say, Hey, Walmart. the Walmart stock is down 5%. Is Walmart still going to be around in 15 years? Very likely. Um, is Walmart still one of the biggest chain grocery stores in the US? Yes. Is Walmart going to just implode in physical tomorrow? Probably not. So should I sell? Probably not. So it's, 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 a, it's a mixture of, and the reason I'm saying that you should never sell in any scenario is because sometimes the fundamentals of the investment could change. Maybe you, maybe you picked up a small small stock that's kind of a new company. And then all of a sudden some government regulation comes out that kills the fundamentals of that stock and that stock can no longer use their, their game plan or whatever their technological in- innovation was going to be. And it drops 10, 15% and you realize, wow, the stock has no future in 10 years. I probably should call it quits. And so that's that's the that's the key there is of the discernment of knowing when to cut your losses early as quick as possible so you don't lose money. That's a rule number one. It's 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 a Warren Buffett quote. The two biggest rules of investing: <laughs> one, don't lose money; two, don't forget number one. That's like the the two big rules of investing. But then on the other side, on the flip side, you've also got to have the discernment of knowing when a and investment is temporarily down because um, the market is extremely emotional. It's it, it doesn't make sense. It's almost irrational because a lot of it's, the fluctuations are just trading off other investors' emotions. So if you're less than if you're less emotional than other investors, you're going to make more money. Here's, here's an example. When I got started in crypto, um, this was back in 2018. Bitcoin was at $6,000 um, when I was, well, yeah, Bitcoin is at $6,000 when I was about to start investing. And for context today, it's at $40,000 with a peak of $69,000. So it's had, a, it's had a bit of a journey. When I got started, I put money in at $6,000 in Bitcoin and within two weeks, it immediately dropped 50%. And that's just the nature of Bitcoin uh, and crypto in general. It's extremely volatile. And I, and I knew that going in. I saw that I saw my investment drop 50% and I was scared, but I also knew that the fundamentals of Bitcoin had not changed. Um, I believed in Bitcoin enough, even though most people didn't understand it or even call me crazy and probably would still now, even today. um, I still believe in the fundamentals of Bitcoin enough that I told myself then Bitcoin's not going to disappear. It's not going to just evaporate into zero overnight, even though this is gut wrenching and one of the lowest lows Bitcoin has had in like a year or two. And so I held and I held and I held and then sure enough, I ended up selling later. It's a long story into my personal investment decisions, but I ended up selling later for like a three X game. So that's, that's a key distinction right there. That's a key point about how conviction about the fundamentals of your investment can convince you to not sell when your investment has plummeted in value on a short term win. And because I told myself the fundamentals of this investment has not changed. So I'm going to just hold this. And because I did that, I ended up selling later for a three X gain. So that's a huge, like, that's the, that's kind of the whole, just if you don't have the right mindset going into investing, um, you're going to lose money. So that's, that's my that was a really long winded answer kind of to what your question was. Um, But we'll get to your, your direct question. So, the other thing you want to keep in mind is what is your, that's actually a question I'm going to ask you and we'll kind of get into the practicals of your question. Cause that was more just like the fundamentals and here's a principle to use. And here's another principle to use, but to the practical, like application of your question. Um, one thing for you and listeners to keep in mind is what is their investing horizon? What kind of timeline are they working with? Are they passionate enough about investing that they want to be, um, actively trading things within say one to six month time spans, or are they more passive in like, Hey, I know what I'm doing now is going to have powerful effects later on in life. I'm not necessarily concerned about the dollars and cents now, or I'm not concerned about the cents. Now I'm more concerned more about the, the dollars compounding 15 yeah. years in the future. So I'm just going to buy this Walmart stock and hold it for 20 years. Um, so that's, that's obviously a different hori- time horizon. It's going to influence your stock picking. Yeah. Um what do you think, Donnie? How interest how interested, not interested, how high would you gauge your level of expected activity? Like how engaged you want to be, how much time do you want to be devoting to the investing world?
1: I would say I would be more passive and like hold the stock for like long term yeah. rather than like just like a few months.
0: It's by far the easier, easier method
1: for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say like maybe if I hold it for like Ten years. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to have a mix, though. I think mm-hmm. maybe like some of the stocks I invest in would be like low risk and that mm-hmm. I can hold for a long time, but then a co- like a few, not like a whole lot, but like a few stocks that I could like maybe trade within like years or like within a year. A
0: one to two three year time span. Yeah. 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 Um, funny that you point that out because that's actually uh, one of my personal favorite ways of diversification ways of investing is that I pick some investment strategies I'm familiar with that a lot of adults use that are very safe um, compared to, I well, for example, I call the index fund or the stock market in general. Uh, the index fund is often, uh, sometimes summarized or nicknamed like the stock market in general. I call an index fund extremely safe, uh, even though for some people in their 80s, it might be a risky investment because I'm also dealing with cryptos who have... 50, 30, 40% plummets up and down either direction. And so a stock market, do, so the SP 500 doing a 10% return in a year is safe to me. <laughs> so it's all about um, context too. But yeah. no, funny that you pointed out because um, another thing that we as young young individuals can capitalize on with our age is we have a vastly higher risk tolerance. And that was actually yeah. why I got into crypto. younger age i looked at it and i said i've got 30 bucks for christmas here um i could throw this to crypto and see where it goes in a few years or i could just spend this on a video game and never see the money back um so for me it was a win-win scenario Uh, i was learning more about this asset i'd never heard of um and i was just throwing it in there seen what to do and so that was bitcoin then and crypto even till today is my riskier side of the investment spectrum it's kind of what you're talking about it's the stuff i'm trading in the one to three year time span um, but i also have things that i'm holding for 10 15 honestly probably even like 30 40 years that's going to yeah. be there for a long time um but no that's that's a that's a good distinction to make that you're kind of you're going to have a little bit of mixed things. You're going to have some on the riskier side that you're trading a little more frequently. And you're going to have some that are also just going to be around for a while. The point I want to make here is that for your stocks and your investments that you're going to be holding for 10 plus years, um, whatever happens in one to two years doesn't matter in the long-term context of things. Um, One other thing I want to share is that one of the hardest things for me about starting investing was looking at the market and saying, is now a good time to invest? That's another, another common question I hear all the time. Someone looks at the market and say, it's now a good time to invest. What if I put money in and it instantly drops? Like that's a fear a lot of people have. Yeah. And it's valid because it happened to me uh, going back to that crypto story. I was looking at the market then was a good time to invest. It was at an all time low. I put money in, it dropped even further 50% which is just ridiculous to me um, but I also because I had that long-term time frame in my yeah. head I didn't sell and so that's my advice to you if you're getting started um, the stock market isn't disappearing in 50 years um, so if it just drops off the floor this next year that'd be unfortunate because you just got started but in the long-term frame of things it doesn't matter Okay. Um, so that's just kind of some things I wanted to clear up for you investing wise, um, Yeah. as for picking an actual stock, it's really quite simple. So I took a training course a couple of years ago by a guy named Phil Town. Uh, he has a site in a company called Rule Number One Investing and okay. it's based all on Warren Buffett's Rule Number One, don't lose money. Um, Phil Town is basically like the layman's of Warren Buffett. Uh, he's a smaller time trader. Um, He's still worth millions, um, but he's not worth billions or hundreds of billions like Warren Buffett is. Um, And Phil Town teaches a strategy called value investing. And value investing is kind of getting into what your question is about, kind of what stocks do I pick? And um, if you wanna research more on it, you can check out Phil Town's site or just look up his name on YouTube, Phil Town, rule number one investing. Uh, He's got some really good videos and he can walk you through this, a lot more in detail than I can here because you know there's hours content there. I'm kind of limited yeah. to half an hour, 30 minutes or half an hour, an hour here. Um, but to get to your question, one of the things he teaches is called the four M's. And the four M's is meaning, moat, management, margin of safety. And the four M's stand for four different aspects of an investment um, that you should consider. meaning is what what does this company mean to you? Do you understand the investment? Do you understand its business plan? Do you even have a passion for it at all? So for example, um, a company that might have meaning to me is Bass Pro Shops, hunting, fishing, outdoors. Like that's all stuff I'm interested in. I can understand their products, uh, might even use their products. Um, Might be even at a store I shop at frequently. That's a company with pretty high meaning to me. Yeah. You don't have to get into all the details here, but that's one of the first places I would start for you and any other investor, beginning investor listening now. Consider which companies have meaning to you. Because that'll help kind of, when you first look at things, you're like, there's hundreds if not thousands of companies in different choices, where yeah. do I start? Um, another big principle in investing is you never want to invest in anything you don't understand. So don't okay. pick a blockchain technology startup company that has a business plan you can't even begin to understand that it's business and it's uh, a its thesis looks like a ingredients list on a vitamin bottle you know because um, yeah. then it's just going to be like flying over your head and you're like you'll have no idea what they're talking about what their plan is yeah. so you want to start with something that has meaning to you uh, it could be disney it could be apple um just look around your house and look at the products you use on a daily basis nike um yeah. and just begin to Kind of compile a starter list like that. Yeah. The second M you want to consider is. Ma- did I say management? I think I said.
1: The
0: third, the third one, I think. That was
1: think third one. The second so one, one
0: like moat or something. Oh, moat. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So moat. <laughs> look at you, are so smart. Um, <laughs> moat is essentially kind of what what competitive advantage does this company have over its competitors? Um, yeah. So Coca Cola. For example and there's like five different moats by the way I don't remember them all um but one is like a toll moat one is like a secrets moat um this are the two that come to mind for for now but there's a few other moats and you can look them up on philtown's uh YouTube channels as well um but for example Coca-Cola has a secrets moat it has a recipe for its primary product Coca-Cola um that no one else has and yeah. It's like a proprietary blend of whatever ingredients it is that makes uniquely Coke. And so Coke has a secret mode. Like people can get pretty close, but no one probably ever make exactly a copy of Coke unless they had the exact recipe. So that's kind of a advantage they have. If people like Coke, um, Coke, Coca-Cola is the only place they can go to get it. Um, So that's an That's an example of looking at a company that you might like a lot. Say you like, the Coca-Cola brand and its products, um, then you start to analyze what kind of advantages does it have over other companies. If you notice that a company is like say Blockbuster, <laughs> if anyone remembers Blockbuster, um, it's a old store that used to sell like physical copies or rent physical copies of games and DVDs. Um, if you were looking at that 10 years ago, you might start to notice that its moat was disappearing um companies like netflix had just come out kind of around then and were then were then releasing or renting um when they netflix's history is different when it first started compared to what it is now i'm just going to assume or talk about when it was a website but at, at that at some point uh netflix became a website and they were renting dvds digitally or renting movies digitally and uh, that started to put Blockbuster out of business. They were losing for competitive advantage um, because they're no longer a very attractive solution to people's needs. Um, because then they had to drive to a store, they had to deal with physical copies, they had to uh, not lose it, they had to remember to return it, all these other problems. While Netflix's solution to people's problem of wanting to watch a movie on a weekend night was so much easier and simpler. Um, so that's kind of the distinction there. The other moats are important too. I just don't remember them all. And they'll help you figure out your company's competitive advantages a little bit easier. Um, so meaning moat are the first two ends. The other one is management. Uh, management is very important. This one's a little bit more subjective. It's a little bit harder to figure out, but it essentially means what kind of experience does the CEO in leadership have? So just look up who the CEO of the company is. Look up what their history is. How long have they been with the company? Um, do they have any education in the industry they're leading um what other companies do they work for what kind of connections do they have what kind of prior businesses do they start or run and just kind of getting a feel for what's um what's the ceo like does he look like a good leader does he look like he knows what he's doing um more often than not they probably will be pretty decent it won't i mean it won't be us up to us as like a 13, 15, or 18-year-old kid to judge a guy in his 40s with a million-dollar career at a Fortune 500-level company. Um, but if there's something about the leadership that just completely throws you off, or just looks really confusing, or they kind of look like they have no idea what they're doing, or you even just see other investors' opinions at the investment, that their management is poor, then that would be something for you to consider um, not investing in if it's that bad. Yeah. So management's another one that's important. And then lastly, probably the most important one, or most popular uh, M, I should say, is margin of safety. What margin of safety means is how on sale, essentially, is your company? Um, What's its true fair value? And that's the hardest part investing. So say you pick Disney, right? Yeah. I don't know what the price of the stock is right now. I'm just going to assume it's a hundred bucks. The hardest part is figuring out what is Disney worth? Because the market is emotional, the market is kind of irrational. Um, So very rarely is, or for not very long periods of time, will a stock be selling for its true fair value. Um, It's kind of like the tricky part or the tricky uh, thing to detect. So more often than not, we'll find stocks that are trading below their fair value or above their fair value. And so the hardest part is looking at a stock and saying, is this stock worth my money right now? Is it overpriced or is it underpriced?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And I don't have to tell you that you don't want to buy something that's overpriced. You don't want to buy a stock that's truly worth $100 when it's at 300, right? Because then your risk of it just crashing and you losing money because at some point or another, that stock has to go back to its true inherent fair value. So if you buy when it's at its peak $300, then you have a very high probability and risk of losing some money there. Yeah. On the other hand, um, if you buy something that's underpriced, it also has to go back to its true inherent value at some point or another, assuming the fundamentals of the investment don't change. Yeah. So if you buy a stock at $25 that has a true inherent value of a hundred, boom, you just made a forex right there. Yeah. Um and that's kind of that's kind of the conviction I had with my Bitcoin investment. Um, I looked at it and I said, hey, this Bitcoin is undervalued at $6,000. Um, it crashed even further to $3,000. It was even more undervalued, even more on sale. Um, and that's that's why I held and that's why I didn't sell because I knew it was undervalued and it had to go to a higher price at some point and it did. And when it got to a price I was comfortable with, I just sold um, and made some decent chunk of change. So that was kind of like the, the gist of it. I just bought it when it was Undervalued when everyone was scared, and there was quote unquote blood in the streets, and mm-hmm. uh, it was just red everywhere. That's when I bought, and then I sold when it was. Everyone was like, "Yay! Yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> I have money. Bitcoin's awesome. It's it's a emotional yeah. roller coaster." <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, that's kind of um, guacamole. Was that a long answer to one question? Uh, <laughs> but the, the the practical aspect of what you're asking for. If, from what I found has been helpful is the four M's. So meaning moat management, margin safety, uh, yeah. it's still going to take a little practice, but those are four, at least questions you can ask yourself. As you start to look at companies to pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to keep that in mind, but like if I want to pick a stock, like, and I look at their report for like mm-hmm. the past year, like mm-hmm. what do I look for?
0: So their actual numbers. Yeah. So the the numbers on their um, earnings reports and s- statements of ugh, there's some technical names for it and shame on me for forgetting it because I'm actually in an accounting class right now learning how to do this stuff uh, <laughs> but it's just like my brain is blanking uh, but yeah looking at the actual reports of the companies um, that isn't a skill I have mastered yet um, there are sites one that comes to mind is called stock to own the number two stock to own.com uh, helps you analyze those numbers. Um, Phil town will probably have a few good videos on what to look for in those reports as well. Um, those numbers all mean something. They all tell something about, and I didn't get that get into that here because that's getting into a little bit trickier investing analysis. Um, that's harder to go through on a podcast through audio. Um, but there's numbers like EPS, earnings per share, um, revenue, net income, its yeah. debt ratio, kind of how how much debt it has. And those are all important things to consider. I just don't have the exact set of rules in front of me. So, so a town video or just some research of your own looking up what, say, say you pull up a stock report and you're like, EPS, what's that mean? Just Google. What is eps what does it mean why does it matter and then yeah. that'll kind of help you figure out what this number is telling you about this company and if it's low or high then you can gauge whether it's good or bad um that's it's the tr- the that question of what do these numbers mean and what should i do with them is the for sure the trickier part of picking an investment yeah so uh, yeah. by the way one thing i'll throw out there is if you have a company you're looking at on the side uh, you know, outside this episode here. If you have a company you're looking at uh, and you have questions about it, feel free to email it to me or ask me and I'll be more than happy to, to help yeah, you
1: take a look. Sure. So, Thank you. and that
0: yeah. goes for other people listening too. <laughs> if you have questions about it, I'd be more than happy to do anything I can to help. It's just hard to pull some kind of thin air with a good example when I haven't <laughs> looked at it in a mm-hmm. while. So,
1: yeah. Well, like, I have a question. So if, like, if a stock is like, if a stock is doing bad for like the past week and like sure. it went down for the past week, How do I know if
0: it will
1: go back up for Mm. like next?
0: Very good point, very good point. Um, So you see a stock that is down, uh, say it's down 10,
1: 15%.
0: um, And then you're asking yourself, should I jump in now? And it's gonna like, is this the bottom? And it's gonna go right back on up and to all time -time highs again, I'm gonna make some decent money or is it gonna go even further, down even further? And this essentially brings back into question, the other four M's. First, you have to look at, do you understand this company's business? Why is it going down? Um, Meaning, what's it mean to me? Do I understand it? Why is this company going down? Um, Its moat, is it still a good business? Does it still have protection? Does it still have moats around itself? Does it have competitive advantages or is it becoming a blockbuster that's gonna go out of business? Um, These are all important questions to consider how severe the downturn is. Um, the other thing, management. How is management? Is there anything weird happening? Is a CEO getting fired or something? Sh- yeah. Should that cause pause for me? Um, that's another important question. Lastly, and this is probably more what the what is happening, is the margin safety price action. So the yeah. price is jumping up and around. Um, that is where you need to sit down and ask yourself, what is a fair price for this stock? And that's where the reading earnings reports and other financial statements are gonna be important and figuring out what those mean. Um, And that's where people like Phil Town and other books are gonna be able to help you more. Uh, You'll essentially need to ask yourself, what is fair value for this stock? And if it's below fair value, um, go ahead and buy. So if it's, the way I look at it is, rather than using all these terms like fair value or margin of safety, um I'll use some easier terms to understand. If it's on sale, get it. Right? If it's if it's 15, 20% on sale, that's a pretty good sale. You know, I'd rather buy something on sale than not. Um it's kind of like buying something in the store. If you saw something in the store for 25% on sale, um 25% off, you'd be like, "Hey, I was actually looking at buying that shirt for a while now and now it's on sale. That's awesome, I'm going to go and pick it up." And then a week later you see it on sale for 40%. You're like, "Oh, stake now it's on sale for even less um at that point you would have to ask, ask yourself is this shirt valuable enough to me that i want to buy more at a cheaper price and most investors if they if they like an investment enough they'll they won't put all their money in at, at one time so say it's down 15 20 percent they're not going to yeah. put 500 dollars in if that's all they have they're going to put 150 in okay. and then if it drops even further in another week they're going to put another 150 in and then if it starts to go up a little, they're like, ah, I still want a little bit more before this pops, then put another 150 in. And then at some point, they're gonna kind of have averaged along a range of this price and, and uh, they'll hold it for a while. And then boom, once it doubles, triples in price, they're like, hey, I'm good. And they go and yeah. sell. So all right. yeah, dollar cost averaging is what, that's, is what that is called. Um, very popular strategy, highly recommend. Yeah.
1: all right. So how much, how much money do I, like, how do I know how much money I should put in a stock?
0: (laughs) For kids, for youth, this matters less than for adults. For adults, it matters more because they have less time um, and they'll be needing to retire or provide for themselves sooner than kids. For kids, here's the example. If adults have barely 10 grand just scrape together to start start investing in the markets and they start and they lose it all they're kind of in a pickle
1: yeah
0: um because they still got to provide for family for kids uh, mm-hmm. a mortgage bills all these other things as kids we can throw 500 into the market or 50 dollars into the market lose it all and it's we're not going to like starve to death because you know hopefully yeah. we have parents that are taking care of us and you know roof over our heads and things like that like losing some money in the markets isn't a life or death scenario Um, Uh so it's the the asset allocation is what you're asking about asset allocation matters less it doesn't matter i'm not saying it doesn't matter at all i'm saying it matters less or it's less important it's the the tough part is asset allocation is still really important don't get me wrong just it's not so important it should stop you from investing Um, like it it shouldn't overcomplicate things because as, as kids, we have such a high risk tolerance, um, it's easier for us to get started. So to your question, um, I can't say an exact dollar figure because some kids might be starting with $50, some kids might be starting with 500, some might be starting with 5,000.
1: Um,
0: so I can't say just put $150 into each stock each time, uh, because some kids might not have that, uh, what I would recommend is taking a look at whatever amount you have and work in percentages, because percentages are kind of universal. Yeah. So take a look at your portfolio and ask yourself how much you want to save for the long term. I'm not talking saving in savings account, I'm talking like save in a safe investment like the S&P index fund. Um, Ask yourself how much you want to save in a safe investment, say like 50%, how much you want to put into some medium term stocks that will hopefully perform better than S&P 500 like the Amazons and the the Googles yeah. and the Apples, um, the Teslas that are just going parabolic. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Maybe like 30%, right? And then you put 20% in riskier investments like crypto or penny stocks, if that's what you're into. Uh, I don't have any experience with penny stocks, but that's yeah. kind of like just working percentages. And that'll help you a little bit um, because then you yeah. can apply that percentage to whatever dollar amount you have. So if, for example, if you're dealing with $500, 20% of that would be $100, yeah. so $100 would, go to, would be going to risk investments. So if you're jumping into crypto, you can say, oh, I've got $100 to split between three of my favorite cryptocurrencies, so I'm going to put 33 bucks into each one. That's kind of how you yeah. would work, work it out. Yeah. Um, the most important part is to plan your trades and then trade your plans. So write it all out on a piece of paper or on a notepad or something um, how much you want to put into different categories or buckets of investing, and then just stick that yeah. plan.
1: Yeah. yeah so how many like how many like companies should i have like 20 different companies or like well that's, that's also
0: a good question um
1: yeah.
0: i would say 20 is probably the max because generally what you want is enough that you're diversified so you don't want yeah. just like two unless you're feeling extremely convicted about these two and you're like these are gonna be <laughs> the next world superpowers <laughs> yeah um unless you're feeling extremely convicted about two particular companies still Diversification is extremely underrated, underrated investment, which is why I'm so passionate about the index funds, like SP yeah. 500s. I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it until the day I die index funds are amazing.
1: <laughs>
0: um, that's a huge aspect of Divers- diversification, is the. I'm mixing my words up, but essentially, yeah, to your question, you want enough investments um, that you're diversified, that you're safe. So if one goes down, you know, you're not going to stuck in the end of the world but you don't yeah. want so many that you struggle to keep up so i would say 20 is probably the max um a comfortable number is probably around 10. because um, sure. 10 would be enough for you to like sign up for some emails from those companies or from a from a different site like say market watch or robin hoods yeah. um they ha- robin has some has some kind of like daily you know i forget what it's called um, some kind of like a daily or weekly roundup email they send out about the state of the stock market. So that's enough for you to like sign up for a few newsletters to keep up with these companies and to be mm-hmm. seeing what they're doing. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'd say 10 is probably a decent number. All right. At, at least for starters. I mean, if if yeah. you're insane and like another like, Warren Buffett, I mean, by all means, make, make it 50 and become a millionaire. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all those answers. <laughs> Sorry if this
0: was a little overwhelming. It's um it's tricky because the hardest part about investing is none of it's black and white. I wish yeah. so badly I could just tell someone to do X, Y, and Z, do this one, two, like invest in this stock at this much. Uh, it's worth $200 and it's $50 right now. You'll make enough money to retire next year. I wish it was that simple, um, but it unfortunately isn't. The... I would say the best thing you could do for yourself is to keep learning, to keep reading some books, keep watching some videos, keep asking questions like you are. Um, And it will slowly, you'll accumulate these principles of investing, these rules for yourself to operate by that will make you more disciplined than other investors and therefore you'll make more money. Um, But I would say right now you're you're on a solid path. You've got a good head on your shoulders and you'll do fine. Um, So if you have any questions, let me know.
1: Um, yeah, sure. I'm going to like, I, have, I downloaded, not downloaded, um, I got this website. It's called Wall Street Survivor. See, and I'm going to mimic, like, I think I'm going to like, for, for all of February, I'm going to like mimic the stocks that I want to buy and see mm-hmm. how it's going before oh, yeah. I actually like, put in, like real money in it.
0: Yeah. You bring up a yeah. really good point for other other young investors too. Even if, if you feel like you don't have a lot of money to start with and you're scared to put your only 50 bucks in the market. Um, paper trading is fantastic it's called paper trading uh, or that's what i call it at least um it's basically just trading with just fake digital money um yeah. and that lets you t- but it's like in real world scenarios and markets uh, yeah. so you're trading like the actual stock market with um digital like a fake digital currency or yeah fake fake us dollars um and that lets you practice and kind of get a yeah. feel for things because it still it feels it still feels real enough that you'll experience the emotions of oh no my investment's down $500 yeah.
1: uh,
0: or I'm amazing. I'm a genius. I'm retiring because uh, your investment's up like a $1,000, right? Yeah. Uh, so it's uh, that's a fantastic way to start. I'm actually, even though I've been doing this stuff for five years, which pales in comparison to people like Warren Buffett, Um. I'm also paper trading right now on cryptocurrencies. Um, so I'm, I've been practicing and yeah. following some different coins. And like not ready to put my own money in, but I still want to, understand it and how it works. So paper trading is fantastic. Yeah. Yep. So um, last thing I'll, I'll summarize, basically the gist of it for you and others, um, the action steps essentially just look at sitting down, getting a little piece of paper out, writing down the four Ms, meaning, note, management, margin and safety, um, figuring out which companies have meaning to you and that you can understand. And that's where you should start in analyzing um certain individual stocks at least consider putting yeah. a portion of your funds in a very diversified solution like the scp 500 uh, yeah. by the way for that vanguard is fantastic they're like the kings of the index fund market um vanguard is just the, the name of the company to look up they've got some good stocks um or good index funds yeah um then you'll also bring into question your asset allocation so how much are we putting into different types of investments um, and from there, just keep up with them. Uh, don't let your emotions get in the way of investing. Keep educating yourself. And in 20, 30, 50 years, phew, you'll be, kind of yeah. you'll, you'll be yeah. in a really, really good spot. Definitely <laughs> retired. <laughs> so, all right. Um, that's all on my end. Do you have any other questions?
1: I think that's it.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, Donnie, I appreciate you coming on here and bearing <laughs> with my monologues and.
1: Oh, thank you for y'all, all y'all. the answers. Had so many questions, so appreciate waxing you.
0: See you later. Thank you. See you. Thank you for listening to the Teen Financial Freedom Podcast. We would greatly appreciate it if you could subscribe, leave a review, and share this with someone who needs it.